This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. How often do you check the nutrition table on the back of a box of cereal or a bag of chips to see how much of your daily sugar, salt, or fat is in a single serving? It's a practice Health Canada advocates. But did you know those tables are based on 30-year-old information? And that means some of those daily values are way off. Nutritionist Rosie Schwartz is mad as hell, and she joins me coming up. Inch by inch. Plus, spring is in the air, and for many of us, that means it's time to get into the garden. Canada Blooms is now on at the Direct Energy Centre, and its chief horticulturalist is our own Charlie Dobbin from AM740's Garden Show. She'll join me with her tips on what we should be doing in our own gardens this time of year. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Canada's largest advocacy group for Zoomers says it's been snubbed by Justin Trudeau. The frontrunner in the federal Liberal leadership race has declined an invitation to take part in a CARP debate. And VP of Advocacy Susan Eng says he's missing out on a key demographic. I'm annoyed on behalf of CARP members. The point that I constantly make to all the politicians is that you ask our members for their vote, let them know where you stand. Let them know what you will do on the issues that matter to them. The debate will take place this Wednesday, March 20th, and will feature the other six candidates for the top spot. It will be streamed live on CARP's website, and we'll have full coverage here on Zoomer Radio. Bypass surgery appears to be safer than originally thought. Two new studies show that having the heart stopped while doctors fix clogged arteries is even safe in elderly patients. Bypass surgery is one of the most common operations in the world, but some patients complain of a mental decline thought to be from the heart-lung machines that pump blood while the hearts are stopped. The new studies found mental sharpness and quality of life was similar in those who went on machines and those who didn't, suggesting any decline was a result of anesthesia or some other factor. It was a Zoomer milestone for Mitch Seavey. This week, the 53-year-old won the Iditarod Trail dog sled race for a second time. And in doing so, he became the oldest person to win the 1,600-kilometer race through the Alaska wilderness. Seavey and his 10 dogs crossed the finish line in Nome in a grueling 9 days, 7 hours, and 39 minutes after starting the race in Anchorage. Seavey dedicated his victory to all men of a certain age. And finally, retirement is a concern even in the world's oldest profession. 
Twin Dutch prostitutes Louise and Martine Falkins are getting worldwide attention after announcing they're hanging up their stockings after 50 years. The 70-year-old sisters have worked in the sex trade in Amsterdam since they were both 20 and claim they've been with about 350,000 men. Apparently, arthritis is now making the job difficult and it's getting tough to find new clients. So they're trying to reinvent themselves as media personalities. They were the subjects of a recent documentary and they've just finished writing a book called The Ladies of Amsterdam. No word on how big the advance was. I'm Libby Snymer and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Making informed food choices can sometimes be challenging for all of us. Use the percent daily value in the nutrition facts table to quickly understand if a food has a little or a lot of a nutrient. That commercial is from a Health Canada campaign that was supposed to make it easier to read those government nutrition labels on food packages. With different serving sizes on each product, you practically need a calculator to compare the number of calories and the amount of salt, sugar, fat and vitamins. Health Canada says we should just concentrate on the number on the right, the percentage daily value, or DV. Well, nutritionist Rosie Schwartz found out those DV numbers are 30 years old, and if we follow them, we could end up consuming a lot more salt and a lot fewer vitamins than we need. I reached her in her office in Toronto. Now, when did you first realize that these daily values the government was using are so out of date? A number of months ago, I was trying to figure out the vitamin D level of a particular food. A particular product that I was looking at said that it contained 50% of the DV of vitamin D. So I assumed that since the daily value, which was set 2010, was 600 international units, I thought that the product contained 300 international units. I was told I was wrong, that it only contained 100 international units and that the DV was 200 international units. I approached Health Canada about it and they said, well, it's based on 1983 numbers. So then I started to look at other nutrients. I looked at the sodium and I saw that the sodium was 2,400. Now, the sodium, the recommended amount was revised in 2005. So that's eight years ago. I have here in my hot little hands a bag of potato chips. So I would have looked on the label on this bag of potato chips and it says, where it says sodium, it says 7%. Right. But that's based on a daily value of 2,400, which is way higher. What's the recommended daily? 1,500. 1,500. Now, Libby, what's really shocking, the experts that looked at the issues of how much should be recommended also decided that it was time to come up with another level called the upper tolerable limit. Now, the upper limit that was determined for sodium is 2,300. So what the group of experts has said is that above 2,300, there is an increased risk of adverse health effects. Right. So our government is telling us that 2,400 is the daily value. But let's say you take um, something that has 800 milligrams of sodium. 
that would say on the label 33% of the daily value. Right. So you would think you still have a long way to go. Well, that's actually more than 50%. So if you take even, let's say, a serving of, of soup, and it's a cup of soup, and you end up taking two cups of soup, that's not unreasonable, then you actually, in that bowl of soup, you've had the entire recommended amount for the day, yet the label would tell you otherwise. So what is your reaction to this? What do you think of this? Oh, I'm furious. When, when I found this out, I asked Health Canada if they were going to change it. And they said, we will be looking at changing it. It will take two to three years. Now, to, but, <laughs> Did they say why? Health Canada, when I asked them how they could be using um, that 2400, they said there is no consensus as to whether it should be the upper limit or the recommended amount. That's not true. Right. So, number one, they have a definition of what their daily value is. That's a consensus. They came up with that, number one. Number two... Which is so- the lower amount, 1500 Yes. They appointed and spent millions of dollars on an expert committee called the Sodium Working Group that came up with a report in 2010 which said we want to see the daily value changed on nutrition labels to reflect the recommended amount. The daily value should be 1,500 milligrams on food labels. What did they do? They disbanded the group. Um, now we have all these, these health groups that are signing on to support Bill C-640, Sodium Reduction Strategy for Canada, and the government saying we have no consensus. Well, I think that maybe where they don't have a consensus is they don't have the food industries supporting them. Now, what's really aggravating about the whole thing is that while they are looking at changing the numbers in, in a number of years, they have embarked on an education campaign. The center of the education campaign is to get people to read nutrition labels and focus particularly on the percentage DV. When I've said to them, how can you have the wrong information there? And they said, well, we don't want people just to look at the percentage. We want them to use it as a comparison. Okay. Comparison of what to what? what two different products. Okay, so, so if this bag of potato chips has less, has a lower number than the other bag of potato chips, I should choose it. Is that right. the... Right, that's what they're saying. So they've embarked on this campaign where Health Canada is spending almost a million dollars. The food industry is spending almost $7 million. And this information of this educational campaign will be on 8 million food packages. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and so they're, they're spending money. They are misinforming Canadians on 8 million food packages, and they say, oh, no problem here. Health Canada's mission is to promote the health of Canadians. I have to say that I think that Health Canada is more interested in promoting the financial health of corporate Canada. Okay, so that's your take, that uh, they're doing this because of the food industry. I I definitely think so. I'm appalled. Um, I'm probably a thorn in the side of, of Health Canada. They are not looking out for the health 
of Canadians, I believe. Okay. Rosie Schwartz, thank you so much for opening our eyes on this. My pleasure, Libby. Well, I also tried to get some answers from Health Canada. No one was available to talk to me. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. We're just three days away from the official start of spring, and after months of snow, our gardens are probably in pretty rough shape. What should we be doing to get them ready for another season of growing? In just a moment, I'll be joined by Charlie Dobbin of Zoomer Radio's Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better. Despite our wintry weather, there's a sure sign that spring is arriving. Canada Blooms is on now. Our own Charlie Dobbin of The Garden Show is the chief horticulturalist, and she's here with tips on getting ready for spring gardening. There's fashion mm-hmm. in gardening, mm-hmm. as with anything else. So mm-hmm. what are the 2013 fashions in gardening? <laughs> I love the it. The trends. I like, you know, I like the word fashion better, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Three things come to mind. Two of them are not new. One of them that's not new is the idea of entertaining in your garden. So turning your garden into that extension of your home, the living room, the bar, the the kitchen, all those things out in our backyards. That's not new, but we're seeing that and continuing to see that. The other is container gardening. That's not going anywhere. Not new, ongoing, better, bigger, more and more plants bred specifically, you know, dwarf vegetables, uh, plants that thrive in small constricted root situations. But one thing we're seeing that I think is quite new is the idea of exercise, mental health, not only doing the gardening for our mental health, but enjoying our gardens with our mental health and our physical health in mind. Gardens designed for yoga and tai chi. Gardens designed for actual, almost exercise stations within the garden, but beautifully done. I mean, we're not just talking, you know, place for chin-ups. We're talking like really nice little corners in the garden designed to stretch different body parts in an absolutely gorgeous ambiance. I remember last year the thing in container gardening was uh, putting the containers at different levels and mixing things up. Is there anything new this year? You know what I think we're seeing more of this year, and I saw a bit of it last year? Instead of making every container an entire garden, like an entire assemblage of, you know, coming together as a little bit of an orchestra, we're seeing more monoculture, if you will, multi-containers. We see just a pot of geraniums and just a pot of something else and just a pot of something else so that the whole, it's all still there, but it's there with much more kind of a, a zing in your face. What about color? What colors are in in flowers? Dark purples, it's all about the purples and the blues, lime green, sharp. They, they go well together. Yeah, they do. <laughs> so this, I guess, brings us back to this age-old debate, do you pesticide or not pesticide? I, I've lost track. I don't think it's even legal to use pesticide <laughs> That's right. here yeah. in Toronto. Well, not, not the big guns like we used to, you know, go out there and kind of defog the entire yard so we could go out and, you know, sit and have our dinner. It's about designing your garden so that you've got the right plants to, number one, attract insects that will eat other insects. You've got a garden that will attract and support the bird population, which will eat insects. And you've just got that whole, you know, frogs potentially, whatever little critters coming in to set up a nice little ecosystem so nobody's really dominating and causing huge frustration for anybody. So give me an idea of how that would work, of a plan for a garden that would promote that. Well, I mean, keep in mind what the little critters need. They need shelter. 
So it would require, depending on what we're trying to attract, if it's birds, for example, we've got to have some trees, some shade, some evergreens. We need to make sure there's water available to any of the critters, whether it's butterflies or birds or frogs or toads. Um, and then, of course, there's the food. When do we know it's time to go out? You don't want to go out on soggy ground, right? Remember that mushy, soggy mm. mud? You don't want to go out there because that really messes up not only your shoes, but also the, the quality of the soil, the texture mm. of the soil. As soon as we dry up a bit, certainly the raking of the lawns is the first thing we usually do, getting the debris out, helping those little blades of grass stand up. Once we're a little bit drier after that, then we can start digging in the garden. We don't plant anything, though, until the soil warms up. That's got a lot to do with air temperature and how the spring unrolls. The way it was done a couple of generations ago is it was your bare butt. Sit on the ground. When it's not cold, then you can plant. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, that was getting to what I want to finish with. So you mentioned the garden is a spot for exercise. But mm. gardening is exercise, and mm-hmm. you could be surprised at how stiff you'll be after some gardening. So there are, are there any good exercises you should do to prep? Very good point, Libby. Absolutely. And, you know, some of them are just simple. They're just, what are we going to use when we're out in the garden? What body parts? Our knees, our backs, our wrists, obviously, our elbows, even our shoulders. So those kinds of things, we want to loosen them up and warm them up before we go out and have a bag of Epsom salt handy for when you come in. Okay, that, that's <laughs> very good advice. And on that note, we'll wrap things up. Charlie Dobbin, thanks. Thanks, Libby. You can hear Charlie Dobbin on The Garden Show every Saturday morning at 9, right here on the new AM 740 Zoomer Radio. You can also get plenty of inspiration for your upcoming garden at Canada Blooms, on now at the Direct Energy Center. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Unforgettable. That's the music of Nat King Cole. Today marks the anniversary of the beloved singer's birth. We'll be back with some more of his music in just a moment. Unforgettable. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing making people's lives better. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. It's time now for your International Arts Datebook. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. In New York City, Motown the Musical is on stage. It's produced by 83-year-old Barry Gordy and traces his career as he founded a legendary music label and discovered some of pop music's biggest stars. Motown the Musical is in previews at the Lunt Fontan Theatre. To the Windy City, where a new art exhibition salutes the immigrants who shaped Chicago in the first half of the 20th century, They Seek a City, Chicago and the Art of Migration, is at the Art Institute of Chicago. And in Rome, 30 works of Caravaggio have been interpreted by leading international contemporary painters. The exhibition is at the Scuderi Aldobrandini. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. Unforgettable. That is Nat King Cole's beautiful, smooth, baritone voice. Today marks the 94th anniversary of his birth, but sadly, he passed away from lung cancer when he was just 45. However, during his short life, Nat King Cole accomplished many great things. He's best remembered for his music. He recorded dozens of albums that included hits like The Christmas Song, L-O-V-E, It's Only a Paper Moon, Unforgettable, and Nature Boy. 
He was such a success for Capitol Records that the famous Capitol Records Tower in Los Angeles is often referred to as the house that Nat built. He also made frequent appearances on the silver screen in films like Istanbul, The Blue Gardenia, Cat Bayou, and early on as an uncredited pianist in Citizen Kane. One of his most important roles was as a television host with the Nat King Cole Show. He was the first African-American to have his own variety show. Right now, we'll honor Nat King Cole with one of his biggest hits, a song he penned himself and sang with his Nat King Cole trio. Here is Straighten Up and Fly Right. A buzzer took a monkey for a ride in the air. The monkey thought that everything was on the square. The buzzer tried to throw the monkey off his back, but the monkey grabbed his neck and said, Now listen, Jack, straighten up and fly right. Straighten up and fly right. Straighten up and fly right. Cool down, Papa, don't you blow your top. Ain't no use in diving. What's the use of jiving? Straighten up and fly right. Cool down, Papa, don't you blow your top. The buzzer told the monkey you were choking me. Release your hold and I will set you free. The monkey looked the buzzer right dead in the eye and said, Your story is so touching, but it sounds just like a lie. Straighten up and fly right. Straighten up and stay right. Straighten up and fly right. Cool down, Papa, don't you blow your top. That was Straighten Up and Fly Right, written and performed by Nat King Cole. Today marks the 94th anniversary of his birth. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Please come back next week when we'll tell you what the federal budget means for Zoomers. We'll see you then. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Nimer. Produced by Paul Thomas. Program director, John Bandrill. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.